For at least the last three years, lawmakers have been trying to take the state out of the business of collecting union dues. News Channel 7's Mike Veselinda has more. Under proposed legislation, the state would no longer collect dues for a long list of public employee unions. Rather than having the school system collecting those dues and going through the legwork of working for the union to make their collections for them, it would be much more appropriate if, if that was a direct relationship. The legislation also requires employees to sign the membership authorization form. It must tell the employee that Florida is a right-to-work state and joining the union is voluntary. Teacher union president Andrew Spar calls the legislation a distraction. So everything this legislature should focus on right now is what are we doing to recruit people and keep people in the profession working in our public schools so that every child gets the education they deserve. Hello and welcome back to Why Are We Like This, a true crime podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I am your host, David Quinones, and I'm joined as always by Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's up, man? Um, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just trying to survive Florida one day at a time as always. Yeah, well, the the uh, ever evergreen adage, trying to survive Florida one day at a time. Joining me on the other line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from from parts unknown yeah. from somewhere in the from somewhere in the empire state is my other co-host of course gerald doherty gerald how how is it going it's going okay and joining us from a city where they don't need to worry about a team being in the nba playoffs uh That's it's, true. it's uh orlando weekly's mckenna schiller mckenna thanks for joining us yeah thanks for inviting me so we brought you on today because we wanted to talk a little bit about um some of the and gosh Tomas, this is sure turning into a uh, a trend, right? Bringing on people who are going to tell us about the um, the trench of uh, horrible legislation making its way from Tallahassee to our you know work sites to our rental uh, agreements to our municipal level, thousands, hundreds of miles away, um, and uh, that's kind of the 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 ages under which we we invited you. Um, Tomas, where do we want to start? Like, what's of, of, of the shit sandwich? Which corner do you want to take a bite out of first? I guess, McKenna, since I just uh, actually quote tweeted you about it, um, let's start with the union busting bill uh, that after years and years of, of effort by, you know, corporate and special interests, the legislature has um, approved and now uh, is on on the on its way to the governor's desk for you know to be signed into law. Um, yeah, you've done some great uh, reporting on this uh, bill. I think you out of all the Florida press corps, I, I yeah, you you are definitely the person that I think followed it the most thoroughly and was really like hammering on about um, you know the how harmful this bill was, the history of of this bill because again, it's not just. Uh, was was born out of this uh, legislative session, and also like the amazing work by advocates and union workers to try to try and stop it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on and for the kind words. Um, yeah, this was the the year it finally passed. Um, last year, similar legislation passed the House and died in the Senate, but similar legislation has been proposed since I think at least 2011 in Florida. Um, when I think it was Matt Gates who introduced it that year. <laughs> um, but this kind of legislation has popped up all across uh, the country. Um, 
And it's legislation that's designed to undercut public sector unions in the state, with the exception of unions that are traditionally endorsing and donating generously to the campaigns of Republicans, like um, police unions, unions representing firefighters, and um, unions representing correction staff and probation officers. But um, it's, it's as, um, as you kind of mentioned, it's just another one of those many policies backed by national conservative groups like the American Legislative Exchange Council or ALEC, as well as the Chamber of Commerce, the Freedom Foundation, and other groups that generally rail against anything pro-labor, whether it's pro-union or raising the minimum wage or something like that. So... And the bill was also supported by the Opportunity uh, Solutions Project, which is a lobbying arm of the group that's behind the national campaign to deregulate child labor right now. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially what the bill does is it's pretty sweeping, but some of the main points, uh, the bill bans payroll deductions of union dues from employees' paychecks, which is the most convenient way for union members to pay dues. And while that's it's been touted as some kind of like paycheck protection initiative by DeSantis and Republicans across the country, really. Um, the reality is that auto payroll deductions is a decades old practice. And in Florida, it only applies to workers who willingly sign up for union membership because Florida is a right to work state. And under a right to work policy, you don't have to be a dues paying union member in order to be covered by a union contract and therefore reap the benefits of union representation. So like generally research shows union workers make more money, they have better workplace protections, more likely to have access to things like sick leave and paid family leave. Um, Another requirement um, imposed by the legislation, unions would also be required to do annual financial auditing statements which can cost thousands of dollars. And um, even Republican Senator Joe Gruters, who is a CPA by trade himself, testified in front of his colleagues how this could burden smaller unions because that shit's expensive. And he did vote against it. Um, And then finally, I think the last major thing is that the bill imposes a 60% uh, membership threshold meaning that 60% of workers need to be dues-paying members of a union in order for that union to remain, um, to maintain its certification as a bargaining agent, meaning it can bargain on behalf of workers and ideally with as much workers involved in that process as possible. But the problem with that is uh, right to work in Florida makes that uh, meeting that threshold really difficult because it allows for and essentially encourages workers to adopt a free rider status where they can you know, benefit from it, um, the union without financially supporting it. it. It's hard to know, I guess, I've been trying to figure out the scope of that, like how many unions are at risk. But I, I think when I looked at one of the bill analyses for um, for it, I think over 40 teachers unions in the state of Florida alone out of, I think, nearly 80 have less than 60% membership. And teacher unions have been considered like the target of this legislation right? because they represent the, a pretty sizable chunk of the public sector workforce that's unionized, but also they're like an enemy of DeSantis because they endorsed Charlie Crist in 2022 last year, his Democratic opponent, and they generally endorse Democrats. So... 
It, it's funny because I, 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 you mentioned right to work, and then you also talked about these um, sort of pay tech, paycheck protection language that's used in the justification of a lot of these bills. And it seems to me like we're almost past, in Florida at least, past the era where you need to come up with some sort of cockamamie um, you know, uh, justification for this kind of stuff. It feels like a lot of it's very mask off right now. Have, have you, Tomas, you've been up in Tallahassee a lot too, man. I mean, like, have, have, have you, have either of you picked up on this sort of like lack of need to even pretend that there's anything beyond just being an enemy of organized labor behind a a lot of this legislation or is it just like very mask off and in your face now? No, I mean, I, if I can mention, like, I, I think they're still trying to keep the mask on because the bill sponsors even pretended they called this pro union legislation. Mm. Like they pretended it would be good for workers. um, Even though no union supported it. Um, So I feel like they're still trying to, uh, talk their way out of it. But I think. Can I ask what their pitch was? Like how is making it inconvenient to be in a union more convenient for union workers? And yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the justification, at least from the Senate bill sponsor, who I think was a little bit more sly than the house bill sponsor, who was pretty robotic in his own explanations. But, um, the Senate bill sponsor said that the bill would in, essentially encourage unions to engage more with their membership in order to reach that 60% threshold. Um, they would have to have more talk, like uh, face-to-face conversations, which um, you know a lot of these frontline workers definitely have time for in their busy schedules as is. Um, I mean, obviously engagement in the union is important, but um, that doesn't explain, though, why they would exempt police and firefighter unions, because why wouldn't they also get to benefit from such pro-union legislation? Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why do they want to why do they want to hurt the poor, the, the boys in blue? I mean, like if it's such a great, you know, such great legislation for to strengthen your union. I well, mean, they were on. lonely at home. They'd like a call from a union organizer, but now they're not going to get one. Yeah. I mean, it's 40 percent of that. Wait, is this is that a little too subversive? To bring? Yeah. <laughs> It, it's true that this Sorry, goes to make public sector unions hustle more, but that's a real, you know, uh, stick approach to it. You know, um, I, I don't think the, the the approach is appreciated by most uh, union leaders and members. But Mukin, I guess you know what I wanted to ask you is, um, what what do you think is the what's changed in the legislature um, that now this bill finally makes it through, right? Because, you know, I used to be a union organizer. I worked for SEIU. I mean, different than a public sector union, but I've, this bill has been in the radar of the, you know, labor ecosystem, as you noted, for, all, all, you know, pretty much a decade now. And even as of last year, it was really close to passing, actually, but I think it was stopped in the Senate, if I don't, if I remember correctly, um, you know, basically by, you know, last minute by Wilton Simpson before he left the legislature. But w- yeah, w- what in the dynamic has changed that they finally managed to pass this, you know, horrible piece of legislation? Um, from what I can tell, it seems to be two main things, which is first that uh, Republicans now have super majorities in the House and Senate. Um, and there were, I think, five Republicans who voted against the Senate bill and then nine Republicans who voted against it in the House. But even with those people voting against it, um, 
it, it still passed. So I think the makeup of the uh, legislature has changed and that allowed it to pass. But also DeSantis specifically came up with his own like teacher's bill of rights proposal in January, which this legislation was very similar to, um, except DeSantis's version specifically targeted teachers unions. And this one is at least trying not to or pretending it doesn't, but um, it really is, especially this year, uh, a targeted attack on teacher and faculty unions. You know, I mean, you kind of touched on it um, a little bit when you said that, you know, you were kind of looking at the impact that's going to have on on different teachers unions. You said that there was about 40 of them, uh, that about 40 teachers unions that could be, you know, dissolved due to them uh, being below the 60 percent threshold. But, you know, I mean, just in terms of speculation, like and, and talking to other Union, you know, union members and union leaders throughout your reporting. Like, what do you think are the ramifications, right, of this bill ultimately going to be? Like, how how hard is it going to impact unions? Are we going to see like a, a, a massive collapse of you know union union uh, density in the state? Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I'm I've been trying to figure that out as well, talking to different um, union leaders and such. I should like mention. As far as the 60% threshold, um, unions wouldn't be dissolved right away necessarily if they don't meet the 60%. They would still have to go through a process of recertification. So ostensibly, they could vote to just maintain the union, and then they would still have to try and meet that 60% every single year, um, which um, we heard through public testimony on these bills. For instance, one thing that I learned just this year through that public testimony was there's um, resident physicians at um, in a public hospital system uh, represented by 1199 SEIU who they testified that it would just almost be impossible for them to reach 60% because of the high turnover with their residencies and other barriers. And they're also working just like 80 plus hours a week. They don't have the time to, you know, deal with all this mess. Mm-hmm. But as far as like if, if unions were decertified, what would happen is they would lose their union contracts, which include things like scheduled raises and uh, workplace benefits. And for teachers, for instance, there's like duty free lunches where they get a real lunch break. Um, and for faculty at higher education institutions, that's maybe course cancellation fees. So they get paid for courses that are like canceled at the last minute. Um, but these are things that just support working families in Florida. And it's not just Democrats who are going to be hurt by it. It's um, talking to um, various unions. I've heard, you know, their membership is maybe like 20 to 30 percent Republican identified. So it's people who you know probably voted for DeSantis or voted for these Republicans who voted for this bill that um, they came out to public comment and they said, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, and I don't like this bill and I need you to vote it down. And um, it was pretty just incredible to see the Republicans go along with it um, like they did. But so there, again, there's the loss of the contract. That's a risk with decertification. And in general, the unions will just have to be hustling um, with the very limited financial resources that they already have and with the limited um, staff that they already have in the state. Um, A lot of right to work states like Florida just have a really grim organizing landscape as it is. So this is just going to make it that much harder. And it's going to hurt workers, not just, you know, the big union bosses or whatever. It's actual 
essential workers in Florida that are going to be hurt. Now, I wanted to ask, what were some of the special interests that were behind uh, this push, especially this session? Yeah, so it's it's people like the National Right to Work Foundation and just conservative um, groups that have lobbied against these kinds or lobbied for these kinds of bills all across the country. Um, I even got an email from the National Right to Work Foundation at one point because they wanted to share their side with me, and I just did not respond. Did you, I didn't how was that? <laughs> you should have put. You should have pulled. A, you should have pulled a George Santos. You should have. Uh, did you see that a few weeks ago when George Santos, the, uh, the newsletter, our favorite non-Floridian uh, yeah. politician in the United States, just got a National Right to Work newsletter? In my yeah. opinion, completely not understanding what it was and ripped it up right. <laughs> on, his, on his Twitter channel. Brilliant. Yeah. And then like Alec is another big player, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which they just, they're, you know, described as a bill mill where they just come up with these model policies, like these templates that they just feed to state legislators across the country. And if it's, it's all publicly available on their website too. You can just like look them up and it's very similar language to policies on like anti-union stuff, as well as just a wide range of really bad bills that are being pushed across the country. And so while they're undermining people's ability to make a wage, I understand they have another uh, uh, set of legislation um, also undermining their ability to pay the rent um, in, a, in a state that's already as unaffordable as it is, um, where like the wage to cost of, you know, wage to asset uh, ratio is like off the charts. Um, what is it that they're doing? If they're if these are the conveniences they'd like for union workers to have, what are the conveniences that renters in the state of Florida uh, can be looking forward to under the new uh, housing legislation that was passed? Yeah. What? Yeah. So there was actually like several really bad housing bills uh, this session. One already signed into law bans rent control completely in Florida, whereas before it was already like a really difficult process to even enact it for just a year at a time as it was. Um, but that was, that was a, a ban that was like tucked in as like a poison pill into legislation that ostensibly, uh, it, it offers like millions of dollars for like affordable housing programs and such. But what it essentially is, is just like throwing tax incentives at private developers to build affordable housing or, you know, quote, affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to emphasize that last point, you know the the rent control preemption was actually a response you know really to the 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 fact that six, over 60% of voters in Orlando in your area actually voted to enact you know what they call the rent stabilization uh, i believe last year right so you know it was really like just an effort to stifle local democracy and make sure you know and and, and a special interest basically giveaway you know, to make sure that the, the will of the people wasn't respected in behalf of like corporate and landlord uh, power. And I say corporate because, you know, we're increasingly seeing that the people who are renting homes in this country are not individual landlords, but by giant e private equity firms that go in and buy like 40% of single family use homes, you know, in an area and then just put them out yeah. to rent at inflated pr prices. But beyond Mega that, landlords, yeah. yeah, beyond that, you know, I, I just I found it so disgusting um, the way that this bill was promoted by Pasadomo, you know, as some sort of like affordable housing fix all, you know, that was like just complete gibberish. If you like read it, you know what I mean? And it was just all like laced with like 
corporate giveaways and like Reaganomics and trickle down, you know, economics that are never, ever going to reach, you know, like the working or middle class in the, in this state. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, cause there was just like a lot of Democrats, to be honest, that went along with this bullshit and voted for this and defended this and not just in the legislature, but in local government. And it just, it, it just really sucked to watch that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I was just really disappointed. Yeah, no, I honestly kind of felt like I was going crazy watching some of the um, some of the Democrats just like praising the bill. But there, there was, I think even one of the, I don't know if it was the House or the Senate version, I think it was at least the Senate version was co-sponsored by um, Democrat Daryl Roussan. So, I mean, yeah, the Democrats praised this bill. Um, a lot of different like so-called like nonpartisan groups across the state um, that deal with these housing programs praised the bill. Um, the rent control was really just kind of like a poison pill, like tucked in. Like I'm, I wasn't surprised to see, you know, a bill that gives away like corporate giveaways still praised by Democrats, but it was the rent control. The fact that that was like ignored by so many Democrats in favor of every, every other part of the bill was just kind of strange to watch because it, it doesn't bring, it doesn't give any sort of direct relief to renters. And um, it did seem like a targeted attack. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> it really it's doesn't. Funny. And it, it it is crazy. Yeah. And, and rent stabilization, which you mentioned, like it was, um, it was put on the ballot in Orange County, which is like the Orlando area um, last year. And it got uh, nearly 60%. It was over 225,000 votes, which it got more votes than Val Demings for for U.S. Senate. It got more votes than Charlie Crist. It got a lot more votes than DeSantis, obviously, because Orlando is kind of more of a bluish area. But um, that that ordinance uh, or the ballot initiative was blocked by the same industry groups that backed this legislation. Um, the Florida Realtors and the Florida Apartment Association. So um, I think it seems from the from this bill and the other housing bills, it essentially seemed like they were trying to preempt any of the positive headlines we've seen in the past like three years as it concerns like, um, like there's another bill that preempts local tenant protections. So there were a lot of stories over the past couple of years about different counties and cities throughout Florida passing tenant protections that aren't granted under state law. And that was like kind of just like a highlight for people to see like the local governments actually stepping in and trying to help people. And all of a sudden we have this bill that just kind of popped out of nowhere that, um, that sought to preempt all those local ordinances and it passed and is on its, its way to DeSantis. So the good news is my union job is less secure, but the great news is that my housing is also less secure. Yeah, like it's it's <laughs> it's incredible too because um, this bill, like the preemption bill, was passed after the rent control, um, the anti rent control thing was signed into law. But on the House and Senate floors, like the only justification Republicans could provide for even like defending the preemption bill was like this means local governments can't do rent control, which is a bad policy anyway. And it's like, well, you guys already signed that into law. Like we're not even talking right. about rent control. We're talking about like source of income discrimination protection. So that landlords can't like discriminate against people with housing vouchers, something that's not covered by state law or even federal law. 
um, or even just like giving tenants a notice of their rights. Um, there were ordinances passed in various municipalities that required that, and now that's going to pre- be preempted. So really basic stuff, essentially compromises on behalf of advocacy groups across the state, like Florida Rising and tenant unions that have been fighting for you know something, and they get this crumb of like mm-hmm. a tenant bill of rights, yeah, the compromise, and that's preempted. I know it's 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 so disgusting. I mean, I'm so sick of hearing that rent control is bad policy. Like, no, rent control is good, uh, but it also needs to be coupled with a lot of things that we're frankly not ready for in this country. They need to crack yep. down on Airbnb and this like short term rentals. They need to crack down on these fucking private equity firms that like us, you know, like normal individual working class people just cannot compete against in terms of like the so-called free market. We need like municipalities and like local governments to do like something similar as to what Berlin did, right? And like buy a lot of property, you know, put it back on the market at lower levels. Like we need like massive levels of regulation and intervention by like the government to tackle the housing crisis in, in this country. And all we get are frankly just like corporate giveaways and then, you know, like forcing like a developer that's building like a luxury condo to like add like a 10% affordable housing. You know what I mean? Like it's just nonsense. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Well, in, the, in the sort of like cult- culturally, our country is also, we suffer from this particular sort of mental disease where like in the seventies and eighties, instead of talking productively and fruitfully about things like public housing, we decided to slur the concept of public housing and yeah. call it projects. We decided to ghettoize, literally ghettoize public housing, where in many other countries and in other places, public assisted housing or, or you know, government owned housing. Council Shit. housing. Yeah. In this country on Air Force bases and on, on military bases, it's not ghetto to live in public housing or government subsidized housing. But for some reason, in so many other use cases outside of the military, we've decided to um, stigmatize it and make it be shitty. Yeah, social housing, um, I, I think is another word for it. And uh, St. Petersburg, is, um, there's advocates there that have been kind of pushing for that there because there's um, that's been pushed by Richie Floyd, a Democratic Socialist city council member in St. Pete, um, who's also pushing for a uh, right to guaranteed legal counsel for tenants facing eviction. So there are things that haven't been preempted by this bill, but it does just severely undercut um, local government's ability to just help people in their communities. I think it's um, supposed to affect like 40, 46 ordinances across the state. And I tried to get a list of what those ordinances would be, but I haven't gotten a response yet. So, yeah, it's just it's just crazy to me. You know, I mean, when the um, Miami-Dade Tenant Bill of Rights passed, it's not something that I worked on personally. And I was really happy and proud because a, a lot of my colleagues worked on that. But, you know, I just remember being like, and it's not to put it down because it was a titanic task, you know what I mean, that took a lot of time and a lot of years. But I remember being like, man, like, really, this is it? Like, we need a lot more than this, you know? Like, people are really struggling in this goddamn county and state. And, you know, I mean, just like stuff like, you know, like making sure that like tenants have like a little bit more, you know, like 60 days instead of, you know, 60 days to vacate your, your, your home, you know, if they raise your rent 
instead of being kicked out, you know, in 11 days, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're, if your uh, landlord decides to raise your rent by like, you know, 60% or whatever, like they goddamn, like they really don't want people to have any sort of dignity in this state. It's just crazy no. to me. Yeah, honestly, I feel like the Florida, like the, the trade groups that pushed for this legislation that lobbied for it and which lobbied against local tenant protections, the Florida Realtors, the Florida Apartment Association, I, I think they just threw enough of a fit and donated enough money to Republicans for them to push this forward. Because, I mean, you just follow the money, look at campaign finance records and Democrats receive a lot of money from them, too. But um, they were clearly influential in pushing for this legislation, especially after Orange County passed the rent stabilization ordinance last year. Yeah. And by the way, not to shit on Democrats too much on this one, because I think they held the line for the most part. And But we actually had like one Democrat vote for this bill, if I'm correct. I could be wrong, but I think Linda Stewart from your area voted for this. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you vote for so- this? And she's done that, like, um, just in the last year that I've been, because I recently moved to Orlando for this job, so I've only kind of, I've been trying to, you know, do my reading more on the local legislators and such. But Linda Stewart, within the past year alone, she was the only Democrat to vote for the property insurance package, like, in December that nobody really liked. It was pushed by Republicans. She was the only Democrat to vote for that. And then I think she was the only Democrat in, I think it was a committee stop for a bill that also allows private businesses to sue local governments over um, over ordinances. Yeah, yeah. She was the only Democrat to vote for that in like a committee or it might've been on the House or Senate floor, but yeah. it's like, what are you doing, Linda? I heard what? that she was pretty progressive on the county commission when she served there, but something happened so, so we, we we met with her we had a conversation with her about the anti-immigrant bill and you know we, we that bill was we managed to amend it a little bit but you know in our conversation she was like oh you know send me any amendments that you may have and then she was like actually send it to my staff because i still don't know how to file amendments i've been here like almost 10 years right. and i still don't know how to do that and i was like why the hell would you even tell us that like that's embarrassing yeah. Anyways, the only reason why I actually oh bring gosh. her up is just so we can do a shameless plug and tell people that Carlos Guillermo Smith, who used to be in the Florida House, is running for her seat because she's termed out, would be like That's such right. an improvement. This is a guy that spent his whole tenure in the House fighting for workers' rights, labor rights, unions, immigrants, LGBTQ issues, like always did the right thing. So look him up. David, we should like link his stuff. He just released a video. Yeah, we'll link, we'll link to Carlos. Yeah, does, we'll link. Does he know how to file amendments? <laughs> Knowing Carlos, I think he knows how. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, he, I think he's mastered that, that piece. <laughs> I, like the, the one thing I wanted, I, w- I was curious to hear from, from, from both of you, Tomas and, and McKenna, is like, it feels like COVID was the, um, COVID was the template where a lot of this like municipal preemption, like they figured out that that was like, oh, unlocked a new power. We can just say, you know, fuck you to you libs in Miami and in Orlando. And it feels like now they're really having fun with that. And a lot of this comes from like that, that general messaging of like, oh, well, you know, we can't let these, these, 
these left wingers in in Orlando, uh, you know, dictate policy. So, you know, we got to, you know, we, we have to we have to step in here. It, is that the way that preemption came to be this sort of like dominating neck on on um, foot on the neck, boot on the neck of so many people? Like, Where did all of this come from where they just realized that they unlocked this new power to be able to? Is it just the mandate that DeSantis had from the election? I mean, it, it feels very overreaching. It feels like something that that we're not talking about enough. Yeah, I mean, I I got to be honest, I don't know the full um, a lot of the history of how for like how long um, this preemption has just been, um, you know, at the forefront or why or like what the history is behind. That. I know it's not a Florida thing. Even Texas, I think last week also passed its own preemption bill, which is even worse than Florida's. I, I read the headline or I read the story. I think it was from the Texas Tribune. And I'm like, well, I guess we're not, at least we're not in Texas. But I could definitely see a bill, um, which I think it basically preempts any sort of like local regulations beyond just housing. And I could definitely see something like that being brought to Florida, like next session. I don't want to give anybody ideas. But um, yeah, I don't know if... Uh, Tomas, you have any better insight into that? Yeah, T, this was like this was guns, right? We've seen preemption with gun rules. We've seen preemption with um, with uh, with mask mandates and shit like that. We've seen preemption like up the ass in the last three years. I I think it's a lot of things. You know what I mean? I think, yes, the the COVID thing kind of supercharged these tendencies. I think the fact that a lot of like the, you know, the former moderates, you know, the Anita Flores is the Rene Garcia's from the Florida Senate are now gone and replaced by like psychos like Blazing Goglia, right? Who sponsored, I believe, the union bill that we were talking about earlier. I think the Trumpification of our politics, you know, and the extremist bent that the the Republican Party has taken that's, you know, you know, been compounded by the election of Ron DeSantis here in the state. I think that's also a factor. But, you know, externally, aside from that, I just think that it's just a the, the course of like late stage capitalism that our society is taking, you know, that like it's just leading to the to the, the the squeezing of profits from people and every institution in this country, right? I mean, they're literally like tearing the copper wire out of the fabric of society to make a profit profit from anything they can. I mean, I was sharing today, or I think yesterday, they literally passed a bill that was like special interest driven to allow you know, these companies to sell like pollutants, pollutant and radioactive material, you know, back to the state so that it could be used uh, to build roads, you know, I mean, like, that's a real thing. So, uh, you know, I, I think, yes, there's like a bunch of factors within Florida, within our politic, but it's also just like where we're headed as a society and as an economic model, right? I mean, it's just profits over everything and, and definitely over the well-being of people or like democracy or anything like that. Like that, that's all like no one gives a shit about that anymore. No. Nope. Show me the money. Show me the money. So (laughs) our guest today was McKenna Schiller from the Orlando Weekly. You can follow her on Twitter at She Carries On, or you can read her reporting on OrlandoWeekly.com. We recommend you do that to stay up to date on the latest goings on in Orlando and up to Tallahassee and all points in between. Uh, McKenna, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, we, we love your reporting. So keep it up. Thanks. Thanks.